third is Suarez. Goodell comes running in. He's under it. Makes the catch. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. And welcome back to the Stupid Money Podcast. We get to talk about good things for once because Aaron Nola somehow did it again. He came up big in the playoff clinching game. Uh, We're a couple days removed from that, recording this on Thursday. That happened on Tuesday where the Phillies clinched the, the clincher playoff spot and then technically clinched the number one wildcard spot about an hour later when the Cubs uh, just decided they didn't want to play defense anymore against the Braves. But uh, yeah, that, that's brutal for them. But they went it on a walk-off single by Johan Rojas in the bottom of the 10th inning after the Phillies blew kind of a 2-0 lead. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, another solo home run given up, which has kind of been a concern with him. Just a lot of weird home runs and unfortunate spots. But young kid comes through, Aaron Nola, 6-2 what two thirds one run very nice to see out of him i know it's the pirates and it's the end of the year but still what what do we make of the phillies because i think last we spoke they lost three out of four at home to the braves and since then they won two out of three in st louis two out of three in atlanta swept the mets in a four-game series and now won the first two against pittsburgh it's another 20 games over 500 yeah i mean they've been playing well and they've been doing kind of like a variety of different ways like earlier on that like the the torrid august that they kind of had they kind of just out hit everyone it's like you can score four five six runs it doesn't matter we're going to score eight so they've kind of been doing it different ways like the clincher it was mostly pitching like nola was great and then the offense um the Mets series they kind of just like manhandled them which is what they're supposed to do with how the Mets roster, especially that pitching staff kind of looks, it helps that I don't think we got Sanga in that series. No, yeah, like I missed him. Four games and you miss really their only competent starter at this yeah. point. Um, but still, like, they, I was shocked. Like, Alonzo went, like, one for 17 that series. Um, again, like, they kind of had a lock on the playoff spot, but I didn't know how tight home field was going to get. Mm-hmm. And I thought for sure that Alonzo was just going to, like, destroy them. But you blink, and by the end of that series, they're five games up on a wild card spot. And it just – it kind of happened fast, but they played really well. And it seemed like at some point in time, everybody was stepping up in different ways. JT had a good homestand. Um, like, Turner was, like – I didn't even realize he was, yeah. like, over his last 21 at one yeah, point. Two for his last 25, actually, yeah. Yeah, but, like, you you couldn't really tell. Like, right. at least I personally couldn't. The lineup was just kind of moving along. Um, and it's not, like, early in the season where his at-bats were horrible. Like, it seemed like they were decent. He was just missing some pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassianos is, like, scorching. He's cooled off yeah. a little bit the last few games. but Yeah, the Mets series, he was hot. The Braves series into the Mets series, he was out of his mind, so – 
if we could get any form of like Cincinnati Castellanos or really like this season, like probably his second best career year in terms of power numbers, aside from the 65 double season or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they get any form of that in September, I think they'll be in good shape. Something that stood out to me though, over the homestand, I don't know if you noticed this, the bullpen, like Kimbrell's obviously a head scratcher, but like Sir Anthony's stuff looked a lot better. Yeah, Hoffman, Hoffman's a stud all of a sudden. And the inning that uh, Gregory Soto had last night to yep. strike out the side to end the game, like if they get those guys clicking, like they – the starters legitimately have to make it like a four or five inning game if you can just roll those guys out there because they are out of their mind, including Kirkering, who for some reason they treat like the righty Brad Hand and just throw a slider. 99% of the time, but I mean, they have nasty stuff. in the bullpen. Yeah, they do. Uh, I think we talked about that in maybe July that we really trust the bullpen. And then they had a couple of rough months there, but now you blink and it's really Kimbrel is like kind of at the bottom of my trust list all of a sudden where he was like number, number one over the summer. You know, it's you know like crazy about that to me. I think, I- the the Pirates home run was like the second run that he gave up in September. Like every appearance for him is a nightmare and he walks the tightrope, but like yeah, he it, hasn't it, really been giving up runs. No, it, it, you know, that's kind of been the thing with the last few Phillies closers, Hector Neris, same way. Sure. Ray Knabel was that way uh, last year too. I remember the most Corey Knabel thing ever was when uh, Bowman Verling hit the home runs off Hader and then, Knable decided to have like a 45 pitch inning where he walked yeah. in. loaded with no outs and then like struck out the side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's just nothing new for us with the closer. It's always been a, an adventure, no matter who it is, a hall of famer or Corey Knable. So <laughs> that, that I do, I do like the way the bullpen setting up though, because Strom has been really good lately, actually. Like people give him crap sometimes and part of it, I don't ever think it's his fault. I think he's overused sometimes where they bring him back out for a second inning, and that's usually when he has an issue. So, like, to me, he's fine. Soto looked a lot better. Alvarado's back to, I think, where he was pre-injury. It's about the righties for me. Kimbrel, uh, Alvar- or Dominguez, and I guess now Kirkering is the – no, Hoffman. But I guess Kirkering is kind of the third non-closer right mm-hmm. That's kind of your big seven in a sense, I guess, right there. Because I guess they're going to go with Kirkering over the likes of Marte, Bellotti, and Rightfully so. Rogdon's been gone for half the year. I don't even consider him anymore. And he was a guy who was pitching some valuable innings in the playoffs last year, too. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of changes from that group. But I think I feel good about where they're at with them right now. And I think – Going off of two things that you said, Thompson's been better the last month or so as far as not doing the whole wraparound thing. Yeah, it's like, a problem. The other day, bases loaded against the Mets. He brought in Hoffman to get Alonzo, and he got him to pop up on like the first or second pitch, and then he was done. Like a two-pitch outing. And I think that's important because we went through August and the beginning of September, and it's like, who do I really trust in this bullpen and you yeah. picked out like one or two guys and you were really taxing those guys. 
Mm-hmm. They don't they don't need wraparound innings when you have the playoff spot locked up. Like right. get get the one out. He doesn't need to throw more than two pitches. It's basically a night off for him. Like just leave it there. And I think he started to realize that was Strom. I think early in the year we kind of penciled it in like, hey, Strom's gonna come out for a second inning and that's when he's gonna give up the one home run per outing, which he yeah. was pretty much due for. And I think as he's been kind of limited into one inning, he can kind of go max effort for that one inning, and you're not going to have to worry about him giving up the the long ball afterwards. Um, and another thing, like you were talking about how we're kind of used to it with the closers, I think there's so much flexibility in the bullpen. We don't really have that set closer. You can kind of play right. your matchups, and especially if – if Soto's as good as he looked the other night, like you can play your lefty matchups and your righty matchups to kind of attack the heart of the order. If it's righty, lefty, righty, or lefty, righty, lefty, like put your best lefty in the seventh inning and not have to worry about not having a closer because you have another lefty that you trust back there. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, Soto, the Phillies have him as like a seventh inning guy. We're talking, I, I know it was the Tigers, but we're talking about a guy who was a two-time all-star closer mm-hmm. and he's the seventh inning guy here, or even, I guess not even the seventh inning all the time. It's more of a situational lefty guy. So it's just and like, to have so many different guys with, I guess they have three, if you can't Alvarado, you have no four, I guess Dominguez used to close. So you have four guys that have experience closing in the back end of that bullpen. And, like, you're saying how it's a Tigers all-star. Like, yeah, like, we've seen kind of the fall-off with Lorenzen as far mm-hmm. as being a Tigers all-star. The stuff's different. Like, Soto's right. stuff is legitimate power sinker, slider. Like, and even, like, a little bit of a funky delivery. Like, he's got legitimate stuff from a weird arm angle. He kind of mm-hmm. sweeps it in there sometimes. And a slide step's not the most comfortable thing to hit off of when it's coming at you at 98 it feels like 102 at that point like it's legitimate stuff and for some reason he just gets hit or he's erratic around the strike zone but like when he's on it is like legitimate could have been an all-star for any team in the league stuff yeah all right so switching gears a little bit um i think alcohol gives this lineup superpowers because they i i go back to last last september and they were kind of struggling offensively. Remember, they were limping to that playoff spot where the Marlins had to sweep the Brewers or whatever, and then they won that that game against the Astros two to one or whatever it was, where Schwarber hit the two home three to one, I think, because I think Stott hit what hit one two in that game. Mm-hmm. And then they partied that night on clinching, came out in the wild card round, had that crazy ninth inning, won the second game, partied again, came out and smashed around the Braves, partied again came out and it took it took the first game was a little bit of a struggle against the Padres and score two runs but then the next three I think they were what five or six plus runs a game yeah and then partied again in the first few games of the World Series were quite fun and then last the other night they party Tuesday night and then they come out on Wednesday and score seven runs with uh Garrett Stubbs who hasn't hit seemingly a ball out of the infield all year. Right. I think his first that, home run. So I think legitimately that was his first hit since like the first week of August. It's felt, yeah. Like I don't know. It, of course, of course he did it. Like it's just so funny. Um, I don't know. He's like, it's so fascinating to me how Garrett Stubbs operates because, like, legitimately, he just seemed like the guy who belongs in like a beer league. 
Like yeah. not the major leagues. Like he should yeah. just be the guy that like rolls out of bed, goes to the community park with like a six pack and just like plays like slow pitch softball with his buddies. But instead mm-hmm. he's a backup major league catcher. Um, I'm assuming that he's going to play like a little bit more over the next four games just to kind of right. get JT off. I was, I don't, is he, is JT playing tonight? Uh, I did not check I think, the lineup. I think he is, but um, I'm assuming Stubbs will get two games this weekend just because JT's inning total is just so high. But Yeah, um, and Riamito's playing, but I think part of that has to do with the fact that this is Wheeler's last start before the playoffs start. I think they want to get them on the same page. And the Phillies pretty much – well, I, I lied because they gave – Stott and Marsh. Well, it's a it's pretty much a righty heavy lineup. Well, they both Stott and Marsh also played yesterday. Yeah, so like the veterans are in today. The young guys played yesterday. Now it's kind of the opposite. Um, I guess Cave is probably gonna play every day until the playoffs start because I think they gotta just try to get this guy at bats because I guess he's your number one pinch hit option right now, which kind of sucks. Hoskins. <laughs> Yeah, yeah we, we'll, we have to get into that, I guess, eventually. But it's probably cave, I guess. Which unless, sucks. like you like it's so. I mean, unless you really like trust Sosa, I don't know what the splits look like as far as Sosa against righties. But um, yeah, I, I'd assume Cave's your number one bench bat against a righty. Yeah, you know that that was the because. The bench bat thing to me was such a big thing at the deadline more than a lot of other things outside of maybe a righty reliever, which between Hoffman and Kirker, I guess that got fixed internally. But I, I just felt like they needed that guy. Like all the years the Phillies sucked from 12 to last year. They always somehow had good bench players. So like Brad Miller, you know what I mean? Like a dude like that. And now it's like awesome. Yeah, and now it's like they're good, and they don't have that dude off the bench. And I, I, I think it is kind of a – I know the starting lineup is so good, and the the excuse will be, oh, well, when's this guy going to play with all the set guys in the lineup? But, like, still, I, I, I think that is the, the one part where I would have liked to see this team improve would have been some bench depth. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think – the depth is there. It's just not necessarily at the plate. Like mm-hmm. with how this team's built, like <clears throat> you're going to get in terms of offense, you're going to get that from the starting nine. And then you hope they just do their work in the first seven and a half, eight innings. And then yeah. the depth is on defense. You put in Pache or Marsh or whoever you basically put three elite outfielders in terms of Pache, Marsh and Rojas in the outfield and cover ground and just, Pray you won't have to worry about a Schwarber or a Castellanos' spot coming up in the lineup in a big spot. But at this point, I mean, I trust Rojas to hit. And for the most part, I mean, the strikeouts have been crazy the last month with Marsh. But for the most part, I trust Marsh. He's been pretty consistent for four, five and a half months of the season up until the last three or four weeks. Yeah, this was a little bit of a concern for me that stop Marsh and Bohm have all kind of tailed off a little at the end here. And, you know, for Stott, this was his first full year. 
I think March it was pretty much his first full year. Bohm mm-hmm. Bohm hasn't been as bad of a drop off. You know, he's done it a little more than those two guys. So I do worry a little bit about them just kind of their first full long season getting it together. So that that is the one little thing I'm monitoring, but give them a couple days off here. I think at the end would be nice, but that that's just the little nitpick thing. Other than that, I don't have a ton of concerns with the offense going into the playoffs here. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think one thing that we've seen about this team and this core specifically, it's like, they're saying and doing the right things. Like after the game the other day, like Marshall's like, as long as like we're winning, like I don't really care about like the struggles and stuff. Like as long as I can go out and play defense and impact the game that way, like they're doing the right things. I think they're just getting a little fatigued. So hopefully like you can get those guys a break, get Pache some at bats the last week and get Marsh off his feet. And just keep him going in the cages, working with K-Long. Like, I think him and Stott will be fine. Um, Castro's played in, like, two games, three games since they got him. So, like, (laughs) if Stott needs to sit the next four, then fine. Right. Like, I don't expect Rodolfo Castro to have any impact on the playoffs at all. But you never know. So, get the guy at bats four games. I think there's any chance Cody Clemens is on – the playoff roster over Cave or Rodolfo Castro. I I don't. He just he offers a little more first base defensive backup. You know, with Harper seemingly going to play there every day now in the playoffs. I that was just something I thought about that gives you a safer backup bet at uh, first base defensively. I don't I don't see them dumping Cave, but I think maybe they should. Like if yeah. you have if you have Rojas Marsh. Pache, Castellanos, and Schwarber to make up your five outfield spots. Like, you don't really need a sixth. Yeah. I know and he like, plays some first base, but. Yeah, I mean, Schwarber, Schwarber should DH. Like, it does seem like, right. especially on the stretch, like they're making a concerted effort to get Harper to first every day, kind of simulating what the playoff grind will be like of him playing there every day. Mm-hmm. But, like, you you probably don't need to carry five outfielders, especially when Clemens is probably the better bat than Cave. Like, he's proved to be the better bat at the major league level. I know he he kind of fell off a cliff a little bit before, right before they sent him down, but I think mm-hmm. overall he had a better season than Cave did. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I I don't think they will, but I'd probably be comfortable if they made that move. I'm trying to pull up. Here we go. Matt Gell put out the quote-unquote stay-ready camp. These guys went down to Clearwater, and they will have daily workouts. It's Marshawn, who we have not seen at all this year because <laughs> Phillies, thankfully, have stayed healthy at catcher, honestly, which is impressive. I You rarely go through a season that the third catcher doesn't get called up for, like, not, you know, like, I, I don't know if, Either one of them went on like the bereavement list or anything. I I, I don't think so, but yeah. like non-injury, you know, like injury reasons. Uh, so Derek Hall, Cody Clemens, Weston Wilson, those were the only hitters who were invited. And then Bilotti, Brogdon, Marte, McKinley Moore, Nick Nelson, Ortiz, and Plasmeyer, who all saw time in the bullpen at some point, 
were uh, brought up. So no like middle infielders, really. Scott Kingery, most hmm. notably. So yeah, in- interesting that really no middle infielders on that list. Uh, you got a catcher, two first base DHs, and an outfielder. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you have, I mean, Bowman, Harper on your corners, Turner, Stott, Sosa, mm-hmm. and Castro. Like you do have four guys that can play middle. So yeah. I don't, I don't think there's something would have to go horribly wrong to need a middle infielder to stay ready camp. Right. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna come back. Uh, once we find out who the Phillies opponent is and do a preview of the wild card round. But before we go, I do want to touch on kind of where that stands. Uh, this will change, I guess, by the time this comes out, but the Diamondbacks are currently a game and a half up. They lost today, today being Thursday. And then the Cubs and the Marlins are technically tied for the third spot, but Miami has the tiebreaker between the two teams. Cincinnati, the team, I wish we could play is a game and a half out of the third spot. So the chances of them catching Arizona is zero. I think at this point, I don't think they can. So that's a bummer. Uh, Technically somehow the Padres can still get in, but save me that. Um, That'll probably be done tonight. Yeah. So it's looking like Arizona barring them losing out and one of Chicago or Miami winning out, which who do they, who do they have? Arizona? Well, Arizona has Houston. Oh. And Houston has to be playing because they are holding off the game and Mariners. A half Seattle after this yeah. week. Yeah. So I guess it's tech. Did they win the season series now? I believe so. Yeah. So it's technically two and a half. So really, they just have to win one and then they might pack it in. But if they want to catch, well, there's. I guess if they want to keep going, they're only a half game behind the Blue Jays, which it doesn't make a difference. You're on the road either way. Actually, you'd probably want to stay there because you could, it's a little probably better to go to Minnesota than go to Tampa. Yeah, you'd probably want Minnesota. Instead. Yeah, so I, I, I think after tonight they might Minnesota's not try. Minnesota's pitching is really good. Yeah, that is true. So uh, Philly's obviously safely the first wildcard team, but – it's looking like Arizona is going to be that team, and it's mostly a battle between Chicago and Miami for the third spot, which would have no impact on the Phillies until the NLCS, right? I'd, I'd probably be in favor of Milwaukee saying we have the Central locked up and punting those last three games. Yeah, because Milwaukee plays the Cubs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the Marlins play the Pirates, I think. Yeah, they do. It's yeah. at Pittsburgh, whatever that's worth. But uh, they have a game tonight, though, still in New York. But Luzardo is going for them, so you would have to assume they get the win there. Yeah. Well, that'll be uh, what we monitor over the weekend. We'll see. Uh, just one quick little nugget. These These final four games do not matter, but... With the way the World Series home field advantage has changed, it's kind of the better record between the two teams who meet. So Phillies have 89 wins. Teams in the AL, the the I'm sorry, the Orioles have 99. They cannot catch them. The Rays have 97. They cannot catch them. Houston has, or I'm sorry, Texas has 89. Minnesota's 85. Toronto, 
and Houston each have 97. So yeah, winning two of these last four wouldn't be bad because it might put you in a spot. Um, I'm assuming it, it does it come down a head to head tiebreaker then if they have the same record? Do we know? Or is it was who was the highest seed then? Uh, I don't, I don't know how the playoff, I know if there was a three-way tiebreaker or something as far as like wild card, it was interdivisional record. I don't know if that's how it works for the world series. I'd have to okay. assume it's probably higher seed. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Cause if it came to head to head, uh, the Phillies would have it. I think they would have it over Houston. They would have it over Toronto. That was three to one, right? Yeah, they beat them three to one over the season. Yeah. They lost to Minnesota and lost to Texas, though. So those are the the four teams to keep an eye on when it comes to that stuff. Uh, I I think I I I want to say the AL winner comes out of the AL West teams. I, I I just the Rays are too banged up, and I don't think the Orioles have the pitching for it. And I think Minnesota is kind of like we're just happy to be here. So I don't know, dude. I think Minnesota could be sneaky. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, we will be back either Sunday or Monday to officially preview the Phillies, presumably against the Diamondbacks, but uh, that remains to be seen for another night. So uh, we'll see you next time.